0: It is April the 8th, 2021, and this is Curiously Polar. Yes, we're back with another episode on things in the Arctic and Antarctic. And with me, as usual, is Henry. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm busy good. (laughs) You busy. just told <laughs> me before the show that you're absolutely busy and um it's interesting it's it's april um it is we had a snowstorm the other day after <laughs> having 23 degrees the day before everything is going bonkers here and
1: And it's super weird. It's like the first quarter of the years is gone, and it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) No. (laughs) You just wake up and think, damn, where's the time gone? (laughs) It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day for sure. Uh, Anyway, um,
0: let us look into today's topic, because it is something that is uh, right in front of your ex-former doorstep, right? (laughs) It is, it
1: is. (laughs) You used to live
0: in Iceland. And uh, we've had the, well, the pleasure, sort of. I'm not not sure. Is the the volcano in Iceland any dangerous for people that live in Iceland?
1: That really depends on the volcano. So the current volcano, not so much um, in in terms of explosivity. uh, explosivity. So it's not really... It's it's an effusive eruption. It's just um, spitting out lava fountains, not too high, not too far. because so I've, cause I've seen people like really yes. being fairly close to it. Some some people were playing volleyball
0: uh, volleyball right in front of it. <laughs> um, some crazy Icelanders. Uh, so it's it's more like a it's more like a tourist attraction right now, isn't it?
1: That's what what Icelanders call a touristy eruption. Yes, exactly. So um, <laughs> the, the last touristy eruption was uh, Hekla in, in, in the year 2000, which right. was quite similar. So beautiful lava fountains, not big exp- explosions going on. That was what's uh, dangerous in this um, eruption here is the, the gas pollution. So the gases ah, um, uh, emitted there. So if you spend the whole day uh, around the eruption site, you probably better have a a gas mask um, with you. Because... That's also one of the reasons why the official authorities um, at certain points when the weather just changes, just close the site um, entirely um, when, when the gas is cunned
0: and and you used to live in Iceland, so whatever is going on there in terms of volcanic activity, um, this is right in your ballpark you've been uh, <laughs> you, you know exactly what's going on there, and uh, you probably still have a good good contacts there, so
1: but it's also tell my, us a bit more. My, it's also my kind of nerdum, so I'm, I'm really into those volcanoes. So. <laughs> it's your hobby. <laughs> but, exactly, so it fits perfectly. Um, I think Icelanders had very mixed feelings. So on, on one hand, people were scared because it's, it's rather close to Reykjavik. It's just about 32 kilometers um, direct um, air distance. Is it, is, it, and,
0: is it along the way from the airport to Reykjavik,
1: which is this long lava field that you have to drive through? Is it close to that? Technically, yes, uh, and and no. So it's um, it, it is situated in that um, yeah in, in between the uh, that route, but more in the triangle which you would draw from the airport to Reykjavik and down to Grindavik, because mm-hmm. the eruption site is closer to Grindavik, so uh, closer to the south coast of the Reykjanes Peninsula, and um, it's in in the mountains. So it's in a mountain valley, in a in a higher uh, laying valley. And that makes it difficult to spot a daylight from from the road. During nighttime, you see the glow of the of the eruption. So then, from from, you can the, actually... from that
0: road, you can see this in yes. the distance. Oh, awesome!
1: Yeah. You can actually see it from Reykjavik. So um, that's uh, a pretty, pretty awesome thing. But in the in the beginning, when the seismic activity just increased tremendously, um, people were rather scared in, in in Reykjavik, not really knowing what to expect. If it's going to be a big explosive eruption, and that could actually really threaten not only Grindavik, but uh, also the capital area. And you always have to keep in mind, it's like two thirds of the population of the entire country living in that area. And uh, thus also the whole industry is um, based in that area. And that makes it rather difficult. Um, But when the eruption started and people figured it's just an uh, effusive eruption, rather touristy, people just came down in flocks It's really (laughs) humongous groups. And in the beginning, um, cars were just lined up on on road, uh, I think it's road number 43, which is going down to the Blue Lagoon. And it was just parked at, the, at that road. And then people started walking um, into the area. And that walk is a three and a half hours one-way hike into the mountains. There is no hiking trail or anything. It's really cross-country. And whoever has walked cross-country in Iceland among lava fields, rocked lava fields, knows that this is everything but easy.
0: It and it and it kills your shoes. I have um, it kills everything. I've I've done this once in Ethiopia, (laughs) walking up slightly up a hill for like five hours to get to 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 an active volcano, and uh, we were in a small group, and one of the group, um, he his pretty much his soles of his shoes came off. They just because it is it is this this lava, this frozen lava is very well. It's like glass, but worse sort of
1: so it's it's super super sharp. It yes. it really uh, cuts off everything. Oh you don't that want really to depends fall. Exactly. That really depends on the type of lava. But uh, that actually is certainly true also in Reikianis. So there there you have that as well. Um so I was really surprised seeing the humongous amounts of people taking that three and a half hours um one way hike. Um to see that volcanic eruption, and yes. I think there has never been any eruption in Iceland that has been better documented with 150,000 uh, drone aerials, and yes. it's it's like they, they have memes been popping up, popping up recently. Um they say that the eruption has ceased due to the volcano being plucked by uh, crashed drones. By just molten
0: <laughs> plastic drones. <laughs> because I've seen a few videos where people flew right on top of it and then lowered the drone down. And yes. I was like, okay, when is the point when the drone propellers are going to give up and just become liquid? Because these are the things we propellers- are hot. We're talking We're talking somewhere in the range of a thousand
1: degrees Celsius or more. Yeah, exactly. When when uh, the, the magma is ejected, it's around one thousand three hundred to a thousand degrees, and yeah. uh, it starts then solidifying at around nine hundred degrees. But the propellers are um, the second issue. The first issue is a camera melts because it's uh, certainly closer, <laughs> and it's not in motion like the propellers, right? So well, the just... propellers
0: pre- fan cold air from above. So <laughs> um, let me ask so, you yeah. a question: Why why Iceland? Why is it going on
1: there? Because we have um, a, a pretty amazing mixture of um, geological phenomena coming together. One is uh, the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, certainly, and uh, we have a graphic for that for for those who are just listening on the audio podcast and on YouTube. You actually have also a chance to see the visual. We so have the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, exactly. The Mid-Atlantic Ridge is kind of. Um, um, Yeah, the border between tectonic plates and it goes far from the south, from the Southern Ocean at the edge of Antarctica, all the way up to the Arctic Ocean. And you have a number of plates um, meeting um, in the middle of the ocean. It starts down at the bottom with Africa and South America and the Antarctic plate. Then you have uh, further up um, the North American plate um, meeting the South American and the African plate, and then even further up um, the Eurasian plate, the North American plate, and the African plate. And here, in Iceland, it's one of the very, very few places in the world where the Mid-Atlantic Ridge or Mid-Oceanic Ridge um, breaches through the surface of the ocean and just by volcanic activity actually creates a landform that emerges out of the ocean. And that's not only due to the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, so the, the plates here are moving apart, or basically the Eurasian plate is kind of static and the one that's moving apart is the North American plate. But... Only that movement wouldn't be enough for um, for creating enough new crust to form Iceland. And the other factor is that we have a mantle plume under Iceland, a geological hotspot similar to what we have in Hawaii. And that hotspot is one of the strongest, if not the strongest geological hotspots in the world. And that's emerging over one third of all um Released magma in the past ten thousand years on this planet, wow. and if you see this tiny little island, it's just incredible to understand. But what you need to to um, imagine is that Iceland sits on a socket that goes down to three, four thousand meters. So it's actually just really like a big socket um, reaching down from the from the abyss of the Atlantic Ocean um, through the surface and then reaches heights above 2000 meters. So there there is actually quite something um, going on here. And those two factors together, they are the reason why we have a very, very active volcanism. And I think there is no other place in the world where we have so many volcanoes, active volcanoes um, line up um, than in Iceland. And you can really
0: see those plates. I mean, this is the, this is the amazing thing. You can drive to a, to a place where you can like walk over a bridge and then you're in Europe and you walk over the bridge and you're on the American plate. So it's really like this big, big uh, crevice that goes um,
1: through the island. You can really see that. You can experience it with your own eyes. So I have to bust a myth here. You're not walking from North America to, ah, uh, to too bad. To I was there. so hoping I had done that. <laughs> ah, I fell from so the you tourist look at trap. The, <laughs> when you look at the map there, um, yes. so basically what you have the big um, triangle on the left side from the West fjords down to Reykjanes um, yeah. and, and that. That's the, the North American plate. And then you have the eastern part of the country going down to... Almost the um, around the area of Aya um on the south coast. That's the Eurasian plate, and everything in between is kind of new-formed crust. Ah. So we, we it, it's <laughs> not really where the they build the bridge. You are not walking from one continent to the other. You basically walk from um, one or f- from the edge of the North American plate to one break-off part. So okay. you have to. Imagine that a little bit like um, like a cheesecake, and two kids are no, just no, It's pulling that away. It's
0: like a sixty-eight. Like things are breaking off of the iceberg,
1: and <laughs> here things are breaking off of the of the plate. Yeah, but it, it's it's a little bit. So the iceberg is, is 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 more dynamic. You have yes, um, the, the icebergs which then are detached, so they are floating away. But if you have that cheesecake picture, if you pull it you have this big mashy part in the middle and that's pretty much what happens here because the crust are still connected even though they're moving apart. There's a lot of tension and that releases over time through earthquakes and then uh, cracks are um, created in the crust and those cracks are actually where they build the bridge. It's not that this is like the other side of the continent, it's just it's it's another layer from the uh, from the same border of the of the crust does that make sense yes it does so so i'm
0: i'm deeply disappointed now but <laughs> is is there is there any place on iceland where you can legitimately say no. i'm taking a step left and right and this is the
1: the one plate and this is the other or is it is it more meshed together that's a that's a very human concept. And the problem is that <laughs> geology doesn't work like that. So it works there on a different is, scale. I know. Exactly. There is no clear end and no clear beginning of those plates. That's yes. really uh, you have a you have a big transition zone. So um that's one of the reasons why for a very long time there was this uh, saying from tour guides when you stand in, in Thingvetlir um on top of that cliff what we've just seen on the picture and you just look down into the valley, up here is North America, down in the valley is Europe. That's just simply not true. It's a huge transition zone. I particularly
0: victim to a massive lie, I think, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> and particularly in Thingwardly you have this Rift Valley, which is um, certainly one of the areas where you clearly can see how new, um, new cross has formed. It's not that you look down to, to the European plate. It's not easy as that. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> but that fact actually with the uh, with the hotspot and the Mid-Atlantic Ridge coming together, you can see how those volcanoes are just aligned along the rift zone of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And we have this uh, map of uh, active volcanoes in Iceland. And it's a little bit difficult without the underlying map, but you actually can see that we have two um, main um, zones where we or volcanic zones where, where they are aligned one is the western zone which goes from the Reykjanes Peninsula all the way up to Laungjökull to the second largest uh, glacier and then it takes a sharp turn to the east to Horsjökull all the way up to the north then and the other one is starting around the Westman Islands much further to the east it goes down through Ejeferdlöggl and Katla um, through Hekla, all the way to Vatnajökull and then it merges with the western rift zone uh, volcanic zone and just goes all the way up to the north this map um that we're looking at right now
0: it's easy to see how they line up how they
1: go along those lines and this is a, a certain um, special feature in Iceland. So when we usually, um, non-geologists, when we talk about volcanoes, we have this perfectly cone-shaped uh, mountain uh, in mind that on its top has a crater and just having beautiful lava fountains coming out of it. In Iceland, it's slightly different. When we talk about volcanoes, we rather talk about volcanic fissures. And those volcanic fissures are aligned along the rift zone and... Um, The big picture you can see here how the the volcanoes are aligned along the volcanic zones, along the um, rift zone between the tectonic plates. But additionally, those are just like the main volcanoes, the, the, the central volcanoes in those fissure systems. Because in fact, in a fissure which can stretch up to 190 kilometers in length, technically, the ground can just open everywhere along the fissure and just... Eject lava. That's actually what's happening right now in the Reykjanes Peninsula. And then it creates a new crater, a new cone, a new volcano, if you like, which is not a volcano in its own right because it doesn't really have its own magma chamber, but it's fed from the same magma source as the entire fissure. And that's something that's very, very special, sometimes a bit confusing, but it makes things so active, so lively in Iceland. It's a really, really interesting development there. So what actually happened now is on the 19th of March, after a period of almost a year where seismic activity has just built up and in the end came up with 50,000 earthquakes in just a month, we have had the start of an eruption. And it just happened that um, uh, that was just spotted on a webcam, um, which was just focused largely on the area from um, from close to the airport, and then the uh, Coast Guard just um, sent a, an airplane, and they took the first picture and the first video of the uh, of the eruption. And it was immediately clear it's not an explosive eruption; it's just effusive. It's just ejecting um, amounts of lava and um, gases. So very very quickly, the authorities figured it's not really a harmful um, eruption. So. The rescue team from uh, Grindavík, Thorpion, they started to to mark trails to actually channel tourists going to the eruption site to mm. provide some sort of safety. And just to give you a quick figure, in the first week of that eruption, roughly nineteen thousand people visited the eruption site, and 19, most of them, most of them Icelanders, I would think. Almost entirely Icelanders, because there basically is no real tourism. It just starts now through the eruption <laughs> that people are coming back into the country, <laughs> and the country opened up the um, the, the, uh, yeah, the the immigration, if you like, um, through people who have received vaccines. You don't have any trouble to enter the country if you're vaccinated, and if you can um, provide two negative PCR tests, you can um enter the country as well without any problems. Other mm-hmm. than that, you have to go through the obligatory um quarantine. But even though a lot of people are taking the quarantine time and just they're just so keen to see that eruption, they stay in a hotel for a week and then they go out and Which is um, not cheap in Iceland, I have to say <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so however um, there's a there's a new regulation that the state um Um, has regulated how high the um, room is supposed to be for quarantine people. And it's about 80 euros a night, which is the cap. They're not allowed to charge more um, right now. So just for you to keep in mind, if you're traveling as a couple, it's a room you can share, and it's just per room, it's not per people. Um, if you come alone, it's the same price. If you come with a four people family and you just want to spend uh, the time in one room, it still is the same price. <laughs> so it's just something to keep in the back of the mind. Um, Iceland has reacted on that.
0: Okay, so uh, they have mapped out routes where people can safely walk. The tourists can walk. Um, I think it's time to have a look at the at the three D model that you. Uh, Because I find this really fascinating. So there's um, Iceland360VR. It's an amazing website with a lot of 360 stuff built on, I believe, drone footage and photos, aerial photos and things.
1: It's it's a friend of mine who is like a a wizard in so many things. He started with uh, Northern Light Photography when he uh, had insomnia and just uh, couldn't sleep and just went out and uh, explored the countryside. And then he went into the 360 virtual, uh, virtual reality stuff. And Snorri is a perfectionalist. He's just really, um in profession, he's an architect. But he really digs into stuff. And he is doing that 360 virtual reality stuff for years now and has built quite a library. So and So teamed- what we're looking at in the video right now is
0: not a photo. Let me let me move this around mm-hmm. while while you keep telling me about
1: him. <laughs> <laughs> um so he teamed up um with a with a fella who actually is into three D modeling and he took the pictures Snorri has taken with his drone and turned that into a three D model of the eruption site on the I think it's the twenty-seventh of uh, of March, so what we can see on the eruption side is very nicely the outline, the topography of the valley uh, where the fissure opened. You can see one, two, three, four, five uh, eruption vents. You have the, the the main crater, and then you have one, two, three, four um, next to it. And you awesomely can see the lava streams, how they actually fill the valley, how they follow the topography, how they. Um, also here at the bottom, they um, threatened to overrun um, a burial site for uh, a Viking prior to the Chris, um, uh, Christianity coming to to the country. So this is actually already happened. So the lava has filled the valley so far and that that burial site is just completely covered. But this is a a momentum here really to. Um, to, to completely soak in, to to explore a little bit the valley, to explore the lava streams. The resolution of the picture is just really incredible what they have done there. It's really, really awesome. It's a, a beautiful tool for classroom, I would say.
0: Oh, look how far I can zoom in here. <laughs> right into the lava. Uh, I'm afraid and I'm going to melt. See,
1: <laughs> what you can see on that is... You, you see largely black lava, and then you have some um, glowing red streams um, around. And you can see that it's just a very thin uh, top layer that solidifies, that turns yeah. black very quickly after um, the lava reaches the surface. And underneath, the liquid stream is hotter than 900 degrees, so it's not solidifying yet. So it's constantly moving. It's a very thin-flowing lava, so it travels very fast. Before it solidifies.
0: So then the layer on top kind of keeps it from freezing, right? It insulates it a bit, I guess. A bit,
1: yes. Yes, a bit like that. But at the same time, because it's not just like a solid concrete plate, the top layer also gets cracked just by the motion. It's a little bit like a river running underneath and having some sea ice on top of it. So the the currents, the the motion of the lava stream underneath is just breaking down the solidified um, surface. And that's the the danger when people are going to the edge of the lava field and they just want to see how hot it actually is. It's super hot. But the the imminent threat there is that underneath the um, solid appearing surface, The lava might still be liquid, and if the pressure is big enough, it just pushes forward. So the lava field is moving like a little caterpillar forward, and that happens in uh, in spasms, if you like. So it just immediately, suddenly, just pushes further. And if you're in the wrong place, that's just your death sentence. Um, And
0: is there? Yeah, there's probably also a danger just breaking through that top layer if. It's too thin. If you
1: walk on it, certainly, yes. Yes. Okay. But I wouldn't so recommend that at nice. all because even nice. if it solidifies, the lava solidifies at around 900 degrees, so it looks solid, it looks cool to us. It's not cool. It's not cold at all. After Eja we did hiking groups um, up onto that mountain pass where the whole Chapang started in 2010. And that was in 2016, 2017, if I remember correctly. And that's six seven years after and only the top layer was called it was cold enough really when you were sitting down it was for me was one of the most favorite lunch breaks you hiked up to a thousand thousand one, 1 hundred meters from sea, uh, from sea level and then you just made a uh, a break in one of those craters where the eruption of two thousand ten started and people were just like, why the heck am I supposed to make lunch break here it's just. Everything but nice. It's super windy, super chilly. And then they sit down and they figure it's warm from the bottom. (laughs) And then you put your hand under the first layer of those loose uh, molten rocks, uh, not molten, solidified rocks, and you figure that the rock layer underneath is still really warm after seven years. So it gives you an idea how hot that is and how long it takes for the rocks to cool down to something we can actually handle. As humans, it's just well, really it, an incredible feature.
0: It's nice to heat up water and uh, make electricity, and uh, all these kind of nice side effects there. Certainly, yes. And heat the That's, sidewalks in Reykjavik.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, also <does. laughs> yeah. um, There is a beautiful aerial photography from uh, from the eruption site, from uh, which is called Geltingadalir. Um, dahlia is the plural so it's actually um real picture is on a twitter has been taken by a photographer uh from the Icelandic news has really chosen a terrific angle here and it shows beautifully the valley and you can see the 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 completely black lava filling up that valley and one thing that is very interesting here is that geologists calculated that this um, valley has kind of a tipping point. So at a certain point, it's like a bathtub, you reach a level where it overflows. And that level is not too much because um, the mountain pass on the right side of the picture is only 29 meters higher than the lowest part of the entire valley. And that's not much if you consider the amount of lava that's ejected. And we're talking about five to six cubic meters per second. Nice. Cubic meter is about a thousand liters. So that's we're talking about five to six thousand liters per second. So scientists calculated the, the entire volume, the capacity of that valley before it overflows is 6.5 million cubic meters. That means, with the average flow rate of the uh, of that um, eruption site, that was between twelve and seventeen days into the eruption that that tipping point would have been reached. But what then happened is actually that a new fissure opened, roughly a kilometer further north northeast of the existing um, eruption site, and that happened in the afternoon, shortly. I think it was three thirty something around that. And people were up on the mountain plateaus to get a safe view from the distance and then just figured, oh, there is something new coming up. And you can see in the video we have here from Morgan Planet, you can see how the earth really just ripped open. It looks like a wound. It really looks like a sausage you put on the barbecue. It just, <laughs> uh, it just exploded. Yeah. And it's 200 meter long fissures and the lava fountains are just ejecting and that's just amazing to see. Then you have this lava stream uh, following a very narrow ravine down into the neighboring valley Meradalir and what we can see here is that the speed of flow of that lava stream is even faster and that's not only because of the slopes of that valley it's because that lava has Uh, a slightly different chemical um, uh, consistency. So it it travels faster than the one from the other valley. And you can look all the way down into the valley, how it then, just like a a river delta, just spreads out. It's just terrific to see. So the overflow does not happen now through the initial eruption, but the new fissure that opened. And um, because the fissure opened, authorities um, just completely... Uh, closed the site of the first um, eruption and evacuated everyone. Helicopters from the Coast Guard have been um, taken in because what um, geologists figured um, very early into the eruption, and that's another picture we see right now, is that the area between the mountain Kailir and the current eruption site around Fagradalsfjall is supposed to be a dike in the... Um, in the crust so basically a lot of hollow spaces where the magma just intrudes and that goes along a fissure line and that fissure line is actually um, along that um, rift zone between the continents and you can see that all of the activity that has been uh, recorded at the moment is along that fissure so we have the line up of those five craters at the initial um eruption site all perfectly on one line, and on that map we see on the um, on, on the video we have some yellow marked spots. That's cracks a geologist um, identified very very early into the eruption, and they thought that might uh, going to be the next opening. However, the blue line um, at the very north end of that yellow line, that's where the second um, fissure actually opened eventually, and then just one day later. For, uh, in the night, from I think it was from Tuesday to Wednesday, uh, it was not actually to yesterday, a third fissure opened between the second and the first one. So now, and that's um, another. Um, I think it's on the website from 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 the uh, meteorological office. They have a beautiful uh, picture of or map of um, how. Those exactly here, the the purple one. How those uh, sites are lined up, where the lava is actually flowing, and now they have confirmed that all three um, fissures are interconnected. to all the the fissures have created a lava field that is in um, by now interconnected. So we have a continuous lava field from the initial eruption site to the th- uh, the second fissure in the north. And that might not even be the end. It might even travel further north. But for now, the activity has traveled to the second and the third um, fissure. And in the initial eruption site, the activity has um, calmed down a bit. So now it's just really a question, how long is this going on? And that's a a question a lot of geologists Mm -hmm. are very, very careful to answer about they the, the answers range from can end in in, in days uh, to it can go on for decades well for decades
0: if it doesn't spread out too far that would be good for tourism I think um, but if it continues spreading out then I don't know is it is there any danger of it encroaching on places that are um, that should that, that it shouldn't encroach on
1: so the the type of the eruption right now is all in all a very effusive eruption. So the biggest danger we have is the emission mm. of gases. If oh, okay. that continues to be like that, it's um, it's kind of a controlled setting. If it goes into another valley, then we still have the chance of having a controlled setup where we can guide tourists to certain safe areas to watch um, the eruption site uh, from close by. But... The thing with volcanoes is there's always a level of uncertainty in. You never really know if um, there is an interaction, for example, with groundwater, which then would turn into an explosive eruption. Because water and magma, that's not really a good combination. Uh, it turns into uh, a water wiper that just bursts um, into million small pieces. Those kind of ex- explosive eruptions are very unpredictable. So that's something you don't want to be close. Yeah. So. The level of uncertainty is why authorities generally are rather careful of making a volcanic eruption site accessible for the public. But here, however, at the moment, the um, eruption site, since the second fissure opened, is closed anyhow. And um, the locals hope that certain areas uh, will be opened again. And um, you might be even able to um, go up on neighboring um, plateaus, mountain plateaus, and just have a look from there. So, looking at one of the live video streams from there,
0: there are a couple now. It's not just one. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's true. It, it It's interesting how, how not spectacular it looks during the daytime. You can see some snow uh, in the air. There's a bit of smoke moving and uh um, it, it kind of is dis- deceivingly benign-looking, right?
1: Yeah, uh, well, certainly the, the the picture we see right now, um, the, the live feed from Geltinger Dahlia, that's the initial eruption site where the activity has gone down quite a lot. But you see also from the left side coming in the lava stream, that's from the third fissure that just opened um, second last night. Yeah. Um, the... Activity is best visible at this stadium during night when you actually see the glowing red uh, lava coming out there. Um, You still see in the uh, main crater, you see uh, a tiny little fountain. It's not too big. But, of course, it is like you have this big reservoir of, of magma in the dike underneath, and you have now a number of vents. So the initial power of that eruption has just Diverted into the other eruption sites, and now we see the um, the second com- uh, official camera from uh, the Icelandic national television from uh, Meradalia, and you can see how much bigger that um, field has grown uh, when it uh, flew into it's, the river. It's the we've black just... stuff that we see here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've seen the uh, the the picture of the. Um, lava flowing into the valley just a few minutes ago. And you can just compare. It's just significantly larger just um, by one day. But also here, you don't really see much activity because we are very, very far away. We are on the opposite side of the valley, far away from the actual um, fissure zone. One of the cameras from the newspaper Morgenblad, for example, was... um, Situated where the third fissure opened. So actually the lava from the third fissure has just completely destroyed that camera. It's gone, okay. It's gone, yeah. And a number of of people have just put up those live streams now. So if you just um, Google live stream Iceland, uh, you will find numerous um, set-up cameras there. Okay, so one last
0: thing that I need from you is... um, Tell us again or teach me how to pronounce it because I have no idea about Icelandic pronunciation.
1: <laughs> That's very difficult because there is no real name for it yet. So, w- But, it, but um, it's w-
0: it's the site, right? It's this Gelding something site that is... Yeah. Well, so, I, I've, it, I've seen it named the Icelandic volcano, but uh, <laughs> there are more than one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest. Yeah. Um, it's Geldingadalir. That's uh, Geldinga- almost pronounced... Geldingadalir yeah it's oh. almost pronounced as it's written and gelding is like um a castrated horse or a castrated animal in general and it's thought that this valley has been used for castrated rams to to gather them to keep them together uh-huh. um over over summer Interesting um, name. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure about that and then you have uh, the neighboring valley uh miradalir which is also not too difficult. Um you, you, you have a certain pronunciation of the R, that's just more rolled in Icelandic language than you have it in English or in German. So that's f- for us a difficulty. Um geologists are talking about um Geldinger which basically means the Geldinger Dal, If you like. Can I repeat the
0: last ten seconds? Because you were you were frozen here for a second.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, the geologist has named that Geldinger Dals Gos, which means the Gelding Valley uh, fires, um, if you would Gilding- uh,
0: translate that. Geldinger
1: Dals Geldinger Yes. Okay. And, <laughs> and you can also just say Reykjanis fires. I've seen uh, a number of people referring to the eruption already as the Reykjanis fires, which is kind of what what uh, what volcanologists volcanologists um expect that this whole episode is just the start of a longer period of volcanic activity in the area and we have seen something similar in the um late 70s early 80s up in the north when we had the so-called Krafla fires or even earlier um uh, around Lake Mývatn when there were the Mývatn fires so there have been periods of like about 10 years and in those 10 years you had like constant eruptions then you had a very brief um pause and then the eruption went uh, went on so something like this is expected here and the term ricyanous fires will possibly be the one that's going to be established okay well thank you so much for bringing us
0: all this um amazing stuff truly <laughs> amazing yeah blows, blows me away I mean just having stood next to a volcano once is, was, was mind blowing seeing this so you can of course find us at Curiously Polar on the social media we are at CuriouslyPolar.com with all the previous episodes there is a, our YouTube channel um, which is all linked in the show notes and I think um, yeah, we'll say goodbye until next time everyone take care and uh, don't get too close to volcanoes